Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Cambridge 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We were going to have Mike Mascala on the, today, and then he got hurt. So we will reschedule Mike Mascala. When he's back to being 100%. But fear not. We carry on, including Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal. Our high school football roundtable today as well. Uh, we'll preview Lewisburg and Sealands Grove. Now the weather tomorrow which called for rain, it was going to rain all day it's not the case anymore it's going to rain probably for four or five hours tomorrow and probably will be done by early afternoon so you didn't hear so the news and what's the news all District 4 high school football playoff games that were scheduled to be played tomorrow night will be played on Saturday night. So oh. so Seawons Grove at Jersey Shore, that'll be Saturday night. There you go. Yep. And now because of Bucknell basketball on Saturday night on Eagle 107, you'll be able to hear the Seals and Bulldogs over on 94KX. There you go. Yep. So all the games on Saturday night. Lewisburg Montoursville, that was originally scheduled for that was Saturday. Already, that was already on Saturday. Correct. So single-A, double-A, quad-A games tomorrow, they will be on Saturday night as well. Hmm. Or it's going to be colder. All right. So, great move. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I think they're doing what they think is best. Exactly. We have no vote in it. No. We're only we're only over here in the common sense aisle. All right, so uh, <laughs> Wally Triplett passed away, ninety two years of age. Wally Triplett um, really was a legendary figure. When you look at the forties and fifties. Oh, Miami, we're not going to play you if Wally Triple plays in the game. Really? Hmm. And the Cotton Bowl, eh, you can't stay here. You have Wally Triplet. Really? Well, then we're not staying here. When Wally Triplet came back, to visit the team two years ago. He's 90 years old at the time. And I spent, boy, I must have talked to him for a half hour, 45 minutes as practice was going on. Interesting, enthralling guy. And when the practice was over, and obviously James had told 
his team about Wally Triplett. He had Wally Triplett get up in front of the team and just talk to them. And he didn't take long. You know, he got to the point, talked to them about you know the special year they're having and to you know go out there and get it done. But it was really great to see when it was over with. Nick Scott, Amani Oriwarie, going up, among others, all wanting their picture with him, and each one of them treating him in a way where he had to walk out of there, out of Haluba Hall. It was in Haluba at the time. He had to walk out of Haluba Hall that day, along with his wife, feeling like he was on top of the world because that's how the players, the current players, treated him. It was really special to see. It's something, obviously, you know, you as a fan, you know, wouldn't get an opportunity to see something like this happen. But it really was something that made a a deep impression on me watching it that day. You know, because obviously, you know, I knew about I mean, I knew about Wally Triplett, and, you know, I'd met him before. It's not like the first time I'd ever met him. I'd met him. It's the first time I really got a chance to have a long talk with him. But he was, I think, so thrilled by how he got treated that day. I mean, young people, for the most part, give one the impression. It's not true, these, you know, because these are stereotypes. That, you know, history, I mean, they give one the impression that history is yesterday. Well, it's not the way they treated him. They treated him as if he was a slice of Penn State royalty. Now, at any age, that feels great. But as a 90-year-old guy, to come back and maybe wonder if they even knew who the heck you were and to be treated like that, tells you a lot about him and what he did to pave the way for them. And it tells you a lot about the young people that are in this program that they would treat him the way they did. Wally Triple was 92 years old. Great running back, kick return guy. You know, out there in the Cotton Bowl against Doak Walker on the other side. Doak Walker this, Doak Walker that. And all of a sudden they're looking around saying, well, Wally Triplett's pretty good. It's because Wally Triplett was pretty good. In his draft, he was the third African-American in his draft to be selected in that particular year. He was selected by the Detroit Lions, but he was the first of the three to actually start playing games. And he actually got off to a really good start in his NFL career, and then, like, it happened so often, injuries derailed him. 92 years old. All right, Steelers play tonight. 
Le'Veon Bell will be over at the Suits house watching the game. So for all of you in Ward 3 in Danville, this could be an exciting night. No? That's not true? I may find a little basketball court there somewhere in Danville. Maybe create a little impromptu game of pickup. No? Blows by the suit and scores. (laughs) I'm wearing loafers. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. Nittany Lion basketball will open up uh, tomorrow night when they take on North Florida. North Florida was beaten by Dayton last night, 78-70. So they're in tomorrow night at 7.30 to take on the Nittany Lions at the Jordan Center. Patrick Chambers will be the first guest on the uh, coaches show tonight. James Franklin will then follow him on the coaches show. So we have a lot to talk about, he and I, tonight, as well as James. And we'll do that this evening. And that'll be the coach's show. Uh, Look, they had a really good preseason. There's no getting around it. Now it's got to translate to the season. Uh, We're going to have Bob Grove on talk about the Penguins, who lost to the Capitals last night 2-1, to and... The Pens have now lost five in a row. He'll be on in the next hour. Jason Galloway at 4.06, beat writer for Wisconsin football for the Wisconsin State Journal, is going to join us. That's at 4.06. High school roundtable next half hour to talk about games that are going to be played on Saturday. So all the games have been moved to Saturday. You get out of the rain and put them into uh, frigid conditions. All right, so... (laughs) That's not what we did. <laughs> We're trying to avoid bad fields. I got it. I got it. I got it. Did you see the wind chill for Saturday? Though? Did you see that, Sean? Wind chill about what? 20? Ooh, you're too high. Yipes. <laughs> 15, 16. That's the current. How about that? Yeah. These playoff games will take place on Monday. The frozen oh. tundra of Thompson Street Stadium. Is it field turf? <laughs> that is pure grass, and I believe. Ooh. And and, uh, and Zach Showers can correct me if I'm wrong when he's on at three thirty-five. And this will be the first game I think this year that Seals Grove will play on on grass. Wow. Yes. Wow. Why? Um, it was like last. Is, it was like last week with Midwest. That was their first game on turf last week. So, jeez. I think I'm trying to remember every game I played. Of course, this is before they invented the stuff. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well. Yeah, you, no truth to the rumor your first game was right after Wally Triplett went to the pros. I mean, uh, well, not too far, not that far back. <laughs> Closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm trying to think. We only played one time under the lights, ever. Only once under the lights. And we never played on anything except grass. 
and bag, which is good because back then it would have been AstroTurf and AstroTurf. I mean, Jack got beat up. All the Steelers did all the time playing on AstroTurf because that I mean they they come out with scrapes and abrasions. Uh, it was you know, and then of course you know, then it'd be uh, a mediocre day. It'd be uh, it'd be a, a day where it's cold and you know the the turf is frozen or whatever. So they put some chemicals on the field, uh, and of course you cut and scrape yourself up, and the chemicals get in your bloodstream. It's really great. And that's the way it was back then. Uh, not not great, not easy. But yeah, that was back in the day. But no, I never once played on uh, on AstroTurf. You know, and only played one game at night. I mean, all our games, when I played high school football, they were always Saturday afternoon. With Once in a while, we had... Like, there was a postponement we played on a Monday. That happened once or twice, but that was it. And then we always played Thanksgiving morning at 10 a.m. against our crosstown rival. Which used to be that uh, now here in our area, would, would Sealands Grove and, and Shigalami play on Thanksgiving? Is that the way it used to be? Who played on Thanksgiving here? Greg, you want to chime, want to chime in there, Greg? Oh, I can't hear you. You hear you now? No. Yeah. We'd ask the suit, but he's, he's, I guess he's something about a million dollar deal. <laughs> I thought I had Greg set up over there. That's all right. We'll get the answer later. But I mean, we always played our crosstown rival. Oh, there on Thanksgiving he is. Yeah. Day. There he is. No one, no one in our area, Steve, played on Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. Our our season was usually usually over the second weekend in November. Yeah, not ours. When when I played, uh, and I played obviously in the early to mid seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always uh, would start a little bit later in September, but you know, we'd play a 10-game season, and we'd have um, uh, 10, 11 day, 10 days, 11 days between our next-to-last game and playing our Crosstown Ravel on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so we, we'd play them, I mean, because we had two high schools in our town. Right. And so we'd play at 10 a.m., that bring in extra bleachers that ring the field, and they get into fifteen thousand people to come out and watch the game. Yeah, no, we, I, I think uh, down in the Allentown area, Perkasie and Quakertown used to play on Thanksgivings. East Stroudsburg and Stroudsburg, Phils, Philsburg, Philsburg against Easton. Yep, Philsburg, that, that Philsburg New Jersey, one. and Easton yep. always played. Yep, yep, that was another one. But uh, in this area, because what happened in our area, Eastern conferences took over. That okay. was like the prelude to districts and states in our area, and Eastern conferences would take over about the third weekend in November, and they'd start their playoffs. Okay, so because we you know, we didn't have playoffs back then. Your season ended; it ended. They, mm-hmm. There was a group that did rankings and so forth, so we knew where people were ranked during the course of the year. I know my senior year, the three losses we had were to three of the top twelve teams in the state. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Yeah. We're not that. We're not that bad. <laughs> we're six and three. We weren't that bad. Uh, you know the teams were that beat us were pretty darn good. Yeah. But but that's the only way that we knew uh, anything because there there were not any state playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
so we'd get to that Thanksgiving Day game, and you know it was 10 a.m. So you had to get to you had to get to the school really early. <laughs> and then one year it was the one year we played it was my junior year. It was Greg. It was frozen solid out there. <laughs> We're trying to dig in, and it ended up being a wild thirty-seven, thirty-four game. Oh, I was boy. like, "Holy mackerel!" Moms would have to put the turkey on before the game started. Uh, she would, yeah. and what would happen? My mom, she'd always have it, and then when the game was over, you know, I mean, we played the game in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I'd be home about one o'clock, one fifteen. Boom, right to the dinner table. <laughs> All right. Why not? <laughs> Why not? All right, we'll talk, Greg, more about his, the matchup Lewisburg's going to have. By the way, Greg, uh, great call on the uh, end of the game on the other day. That was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It was just tremendous. And they've got their matchup with Montoursville coming up on Saturday. And then Sealands Grove will be in action against Jersey Shore on Saturday as well. On the road, the first time all year, evidently, they've played on grass. We'll come back, second half hour of the show, and then Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal is going to join us at 4.06 to talk about Wisconsin. And the final half hour, Bob Grove on the Pens who have lost five in a row. Tomorrow, Ray Fittipaldo on the Steelers. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, fourth straight in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us. Jason Galloway, Wisconsin State Journal, next half hour to discuss... Penn State and Wisconsin coming up Saturday. By the way, during the break, we got a call from Bob from Shemokin, and he had mentioned before the playoff system officially started, so probably till about sometime late 60s, early 70s, there were some Thanksgiving games between Shemokin and Mount Carmel for the coal bucket. Right. Now, Mount Carmel I'd known about, and Shemokin, I did I did actually know about that one. Um, so that, you know, that was not a... So that was, to me, that was uh, that was under the category of that one. I knew I didn't know if Sealands Grove had played in one. So that definitely follows up to what Greg said when he was talking about then the formation of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So that makes sense. Then, so. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's bring in Zach Showers now and uh, get Zach's thoughts on uh, Sealands Grove and Jersey Shore coming up. Uh, first of all, let's get to the point that uh, Sean made about playing on grass for the first time this year. Uh, I mean, it, it is different, so tell us a little bit about that part. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and I know just talking to different people, a lot of people are shocked to hear, well, Sealand's Grove hasn't played on grass, but um, more and more high school stadiums are going to turf these days. Um, and right. It's going to be an interesting and interesting tidbit um this isn't the first season where sealands grove has had something similar like this um i think as frustrated as some people are i know sean and i were talking about having to play on a saturday night um i think having having um 
you know, a day without rain on the field um, should hopefully help Salem Scrub a little bit. But it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, the footing's not going to be there. You don't have the true bounces. And um, in some ways, that can hurt you. In some ways, um, you never know if you're going to get a break or get a cornerback that slips on a pass. Um, and, and playing on the grass can actually help you. So I, I think it could be a factor. And like anything, it might not be a factor at all. And Friday night, they can mow it. They can mow it Friday night. <laughs> I can tell you right now, that's not going to happen. I can tell you, that thing's been put away for weeks. Uh, it's, like, it's like at Purdue. I mean, you go to Purdue, right? One time I actually asked one of the guys in sport for, or sports information, because Penn State had all this speed in Purdue. I said, I said do you guys own a mower? I, it's, I just wanted to know if they have one. Uh, they have that prescription athletic turf. Do they practice on grass, or they always practice on on turf? Um, they this week they've been practicing on grass most of the week, um, from what I've seen. Um, so you know they're definitely getting some practice um, on grass. And uh, the Salem's Grove um, Stadium is used for so many sports now that um, even throughout the season, it's not like the football team can be on the turf every single day of the week. So. Uh, you know, in some senses, it's just like backyard football, like you've grown up playing. So um, we'll see if it's a factor or not. Okay. So now let's get to where they are. When you look at where they are, you know, you have you want to be playing your best at the end. Obviously, this has been a struggle for them up and down all year. Is that the feeling you're still getting that they're still an up and down team? I, I would say so. Um, the honest assessment, I mean, this is a team where – um, we've talked about the past couple weeks. You know what you're going to get defensively. Um, they yeah. have the ability to shut down um, running game, um, give up some plays in the passing game, not a real explosive team in the secondary. But um, you know what they are getting um, defensively. Offensively, there were some changes last week. We had talked a little bit about um, three offensive skill guys. Um, Joe Kahn, Nate Schoen, and Wyatt Metzger had moved from two running backs and a tight end down to playing guard and tackle. Um, right. It's something you don't typically see in a course of a football game. Um, Salemsburg was really struggling moving the ball, even with moving moving those guys there. And about the end of the first quarter, um, Coach Hicks came up to um, Schoen and Khan and said, hey, you guys are going back at running back. So they changed from number 51 and 60 to number 5 at number 2. Um, <laughs> and just like that, the second quarter – they were back at a fullback and um, halfback, and really that was what made a difference in the game, having those guys back at the skill positions. Um, they were able to just be consistent. Um, they had two or three big runs, but mostly it was just getting those you know, five, six, seven yards a pop, and Salem's Grove scored offensively through the passing game, but it was really those runs that really freed up the defense um, that they were able to make some big plays. All right, they're obviously playing in the moment and trying to advance. I've got that. Are there some younger players that you're seeing that form the foundation for the future that are starting to come into their own? Yeah, I would say so. Offensively, um, your start it, it starts with the quarterback, Danny Shock. I um, mean, he's had his ups and downs, but you're still looking at a quarterback that's thrown for over 1,400 yards this season, 10 touchdowns. He's still learning that pocket presence of learning, hey, when do I get the ball out? Um, you know, not taking some bad sacks. 
Um, Nate Schoen at fullback and defensive line has been a beast. Um, he'll run over you, he'll run around you, and he's been getting at the quarterback. Um, Josh Nyland, who's been a, a three-year starter at cornerback and wide receiver, has made some big plays. And then defensively, you have a number of number of linebackers, Micaiah Showers, Ryan Allman. Um, both of those guys have really solidified um, the middle of the defense. So there are places where you're looking and you hope um, just playing in a big moment like this, this is a game that you can learn from moving forward, and hopefully it's in the state playoffs. Um, the following week. Uh, several years ago on the show, the suit said Jersey Shore is never good and their chicken is going to play them. They've been really good since. Uh, just one of those seminal uh, <laughs> suit moments, uh, Zach, where it's just you just shake your head and go, wow. I guess they put it up on their bulletin board, never left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at this edition of Jersey Shore, matchup-wise, what will be difficult in this game? Yeah, so breaking down this game to, to give a little history of these two teams, I mean, Stones Grove really dominated this series up until about five years ago um, since Tom Gravish took over for Jersey Shore. And these teams Tom's have played coach. each other twice um, each of the last five seasons. Um, Stones Grove ended Shore's season in 2014, 15, and 17, and the opposite happened in 13 and 16. And there's been three games now where the team that won the regular season matchup lost um, in the playoff in game. districts. Yep. So yep. it's been um, it's been a nice rivalry that's developed. Um, when you look at this game, um, one thing is consistent: Seals Grove is going to come out and run their three-five, and Jersey Shore is going to come out and run pretty much the opposite of that. They come out with a pretty right. dominant five-five-two defense. So they're trying to get pressure. They're trying to get in your face. They're trying to make you to make quick decisions. And at the same time, they're definitely shutting down your running game. So I think if either team in this game is able to establish some some semblance of running game, I think for Seals Grove, it's more moving the chains a little bit. For Jersey Shore, it's trying to get some big plays um, because they're primarily gonna, going to show up and run the ball. Um, but I think... Um, both teams, especially Seals Grove, they need to make some plays in the passing game. Um, in the first matchup, Danny Shock actually threw for just under under 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, yeah. The Seals Grove defense limited Kyle Tome, who's um, their stud running back, to just 22 yards rushing. Yeah. So a lot of what you're seeing, it's it's different guys, it's different players than previous years. But as a whole, um, when when you look at the teams out there. Um, they are pretty much running the very similar offenses, very similar defenses um, to what we've seen the last five years when it's been um, Derek Hicks against Tom Gravish. So, thanks so much, Zach. Appreciate the time as always. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, Greg. I mentioned Greg's great call at the end of the game last week. I want to play that back for you, then set up our, our conversation with Greg. Third and six from the Blue Jay 48. Shedleski calling out signals with the right in motion. Back. He's throwing a deep pass to Farinato down the sideline. He's well past the guy. He just... Oh, oh my God! What a catch! Oh, my God! Oh, what a catch! 
puts the ball off the five-yard line of Central Columbia with 1.53 to go. He laid out. What a catch by Farinato. A gain of 43 yards on the play. From the six, first and goal. Looks like the Green Dragons are a two-tight end set now with Shedleski. Shotgun formation. Brown split out wide left. Farinato wide right. Give the ball to Moyers up the middle. He's inside the five. Into the end zone. He was into the end zone for a touchdown. Great calls. Great calls. Greg, welcome. Uh, congrats uh, on, on meeting the moment. That was great. Might have you gotten just, a little excited. You, that's okay. You should have. Uh, it's a big game, and you and Justin did a great job with it. So. Uh, thank you. No. All right. So, like, you get into a tight game like that, you find out a lot about your team when, when the margin of error is small. What did you find out last week? The seniors didn't want to lose. Uh, and talking with Coach Persing, he said – there'd be a timeout called, I wouldn't have to say a word to the kids because they're out there saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stop them here or we're going to make this play. And the seniors just didn't want their season to end is what it amounted to. And they they came to play that night against a team that had beaten them handily two weeks before, and they really shut them down. And it was impressive to watch. watch. It was a very good high school football game. Which brings me to the next part. Two weeks to play, so there's a level of familiarity, which means, mm-hmm. look, the team that loses the game is the one that is out there and takes adjustments seriously. Sometimes when you win, you wonder how seriously your players take the adjustments. That's right. Because you have to, you guys, you have to adjust. So where did this coaching staff make adjustments which then led to execution? What they did is they saw some tendencies in the Central Columbia offense. And they they went back and looked at game film from other games, not just Lewisburg's game. They went back and looked at previous games that they played against Danville and against other teams and saw the same tendencies. And what they did was they put their strong safety, essentially, um, to mirror their running back, Isaac Gensimer. And he did a heck of a job. He uh, Gensimer had 23 carries on the day and he had 46 yards. He never got outside, never broke contain or anything like that for Central Columbia, and it really changed the strategy of their game because they couldn't run the football, and it that, uh, made them pretty much one-dimensional. All right, so now they go into this practice week, uh, and they're going to end up with another matchup this time with Montoursville. It's not going to be easy again. Right. But have they found a formula that they know that if they follow the formula, that leads them to winning it? I think they have, and and that starts with Max Moyers, their running back. Uh, They have played against teams that have eight, sometimes nine men in the box, daring them to throw the football. Well, what's happened now is Dylan Farinato's come back. Now teams, if they put eight men in the box, that leaves Farinato one-on-one coverage, and he's very difficult to cover one-on-one. And that's what happened last week against uh, Central Columbia. They, they had to start doubling Farinato, which opened up the middle. Now, Moyers didn't have a, a, a game that, you know, is a highlight game. He had 128 yards rushing, right. but uh, he didn't break anything really long that day. But it just freed some things up in the middle for other kids in the passing game. Uh, Shaleski completed 10 of 18 passes on the evening, so uh, Farinato wasn't the only one getting open. But it, it just opens up the field for the Green Dragon offense. And that makes a huge difference. Oh, a huge difference. Yep. Yeah. And I, if I mean, Farinato being, you have to come back from an injury. Mm-hmm. But he also hasn't been beaten up during the course of the season either. Have, are you in some ways is he fresh because he actually had, other parts of the body were able to oh, heal? 
that that's uh, a great observation and and even though he's back he's not practicing full speed yet because of of his injury you know he's going through plays and stuff like that but he's not getting into a lot of contact right now even in, in practices so he is his body's pretty fresh and he wasn't going to play defense but last week in the last series when central columbia had the ball with a minute and a half to go in the game he was back there at a cornerback position so he's what, he's ready what, to play what does that tell you? I mean, what does that tell you? That's exactly right. He, one of the comments I heard he made is he wasn't going to let his brothers down. <laughs> so that says well, a lot. He didn't. Now, what about the matchup with Montoursville? Right away, what are some areas that they've got to take care of in order to advance in this game? Well, the, they're both teams are similar, and they run a lot of play-action passes. The difference between the two teams is Lewisburg depends on Max Moyers to do the majority of the running. Montoursville has three backs with like 400 or more yards. I think their leading back has about 700 yards, Logan Ott. They do a lot of play-action passing off of their run game. Their quarterback has thrown for 1,900 yards and 26 touchdown passes. But the key stat there is he has minus 12 yards rushing. He doesn't run the ball. He stands in the pocket. So Lewisburg is going to have to put pressure on him stop their running game and take that play action pass away from Montoursville and and um hopefully that would would be the key to success you know how physical is the Montoursville defense because obviously you know, Lewisburg wants to play quote big boy football right and and that's i think they are physical they're not quite as big as Lewisburg they have some big kids but they're not as big as Lewisburg I think a good thing that's going into the game is they play a defense very similar to what Central Columbia plays. It's a four-man front. They play a lot of zone coverage in the secondary. So I think that's going to help Lewisburg that way. They scrimmaged them earlier in the year. This is their scrimmage. And um, right. they're familiar with each other that way. But you know in scrimmages, Steve, Lewisburg ran about four offensive plays and, and Montoursville ran about four offensive plays. Right. So right. Uh, you couldn't get a lot from the scrimmage. But I think... Uh, where Montoursville might have an edge over Lewisburg is speed. They are they're a very quick team. They're not big like the running backs and wide receivers. They're not big kids, but they're quick. Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time and congrats. Great call in on the game winners last week. That was great. Thank you. All right, we'll come back and in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. You know it's not your night when the owner's screen grabbing you on TV. 
That's not funny. <laughs> I didn't get the exact number. He may have got a half a dozen while he was on the sideline. <laughs> I wonder how that happens. <laughs> wonder what opens the door for people to think that. I'm home. I'm cozy, comfy. Yeah, I'll just let them know I'm watching. <laughs> watching, watching the game here. A couple showers where you are. Yeah, I can't see the field. Move the umbrella. Hey, move. <laughs> I don't care about the umbrella. Just move. <laughs> Oh, and so so Wetzel goes out, shoots eighty eight today, right on the golf course, and started out with what three straight doubles. Then he settles in, shoots eighty eight. Now he wants to play golf. I said, well, yeah, probably after the blue white game would be a good time to do it. So we'll do that. Now today, yes, I did. Yes, I did put the holiday lights up today. Now, now everything's turned off. I'm not going to turn anything on until. Uh, until Thanksgiving weekend, but see, yeah, part of it is my travel schedule. You'll find out in the next <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to be a lot of times everywhere except here. Uh, I've got uh, uh, next weekend. Okay, so let's do next weekend. Uh, I leave Wednesday night. I do a game in Chicago Thursday night. I come back late Thursday night. And then Friday uh, morning, I leave for Rutgers. Then I do the game at Rutgers. Then the second I get back from Rutgers, it, uh, we don't know what the kickoff of that will be. But you know, when I get back from Rutgers, I'm gonna leave at 10 a.m. on Sunday because I gotta go to Mexico for basketball. And I'm not back till Thanksgiving night. Plane lands in Pittsburgh at seven o'clock Thanksgiving night. Then they gotta bus up here. So we're talking about I don't know ten ten thirty when you're done packing and everything like you know you know because you got to pack the bus up and things like that before you get out of here, All right? So exactly when am I going to do it? <laughs> that's what I kind of looked at today. I kept thinking, when am I going to be able to do this? Well, that's always been the fun burning question that I know that Buner and Kevin they love to ask you every year. Okay, when's the day? But you know you got to pick your spot. Well, I had to pick the spot because it was forty seven today. I raked the yard first. It was 47, so it was nice enough to do it, so I'm not out there freezing. And when it was all said and done, like, boy, I'm really glad. Because now, because look, it doesn't make sense to go out Sunday, dude. It's going to be 35 degrees here, so that makes no sense. And like I said, I've got to go to Chicago next week. Then I got to come back from Chicago and then immediately turn around and go to New Jersey, then immediately come back and go and then go to Mexico for 4 days and come back Thanksgiving. And when I come back from that, I've I've got another game here on Saturday. So and that's Thanksgiving weekend. So when am I going to do it? Well, earlier in the hour you channeled your inner Jack Ham with the weather report talking about what the wind chill is going to be on Saturday night. So oh! There you go. Light him up Saturday night after the game. Light him up. Jack is very protective of that weather forecast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gold. It's hey. gold, Jerry. Okay. It's territorial. <laughs> You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.